Welcome to episode 33 of the Bloke Pod. The era. Well, yeah, for, for the NBA fans, it's more your... It's a, it's a very popular number in NBA circles, yeah. actually. You, Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, two of... Kareem, Kareem. the Dream! No, that's the King the Dream. Oh, whoops. Yeah, well, nice I've try. pretty much just demonstrated my breadth yeah. NBA numbers. But uh, Larry, Bird, Larry Bird and Kareem are arguably two of the best half-dozen players ever to have played the game. And was he the one in basketball, which was on telly last night? When he's sitting there in like yes. in the museum, yes, 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 that nice. is Kareem. That is cool. That is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, um, Scotty Pippen also wore thirty-three, six championships with the Chicago Bulls. How many were without? And enough zero. Yeah, thank you. And uh, enough said. Yeah, <laughs> there's your your take. You, you know enough about basketball to know that Scotty no. Pippen's arg- was is arguably the most overrated player of all time. There you go. I like that. Um, GJ's has grown fellow, fellow, much lower. Yeah, fellow Dream Team One member Patrick Ewing also wore number thirty three. So Euster. So there you go. So this is a bit of a dance-centric episode. Today, yeah, we're, to we're going to apologise to GJ's legion of you know dedicated female fans. Dedicated fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hi, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for supporting the podcast, Mum. Keep it coming, Mum. I appreciate. Yeah. Although, please don't flame me in the comments. <laughs> um, Oh, burn. <laughs> We're going to be doing a few little top ten things where one of us is going to be taking the lead more so than the other, and Dan's kind volu- of volunteered to, to take the lead on the first one, and maybe this is the point where I get Dan to speak. GJ has forced me to volunteer, let's put it that way. But I'm going with my top ten movies. Now, there are those who believe that the top ten movies of a person are a deep insight into their soul, and... I would, I would probably subscribe to that theory. You can definitely tell a lot about a person from their top ten films. And th- unlike my previous... This is, this is probably one of the theory things. That yeah, yeah, let's go I should have I yeah. should have maybe in talked about in the past. Yeah. But, but I, I, will, I will also add that unlike some of my previous top tens, a la the, the Seinfeld one and... Um, and uh, my top ten movie uh, TV characters, I should say. I've actually put them in order this time, so I hope you appreciate it. So we're going to we're gonna do a drum roll countdown, ten to one. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, we, we couldn't invest in a drum set. Apologies. Alright, so number ten. The film that freaks the shit out of me the day I saw it at the end of my year 12 exams. The Ring. That's what she said. What... You had that one, just sort of like that was that was too spontaneous to be spontaneous. <laughs> Let's go with that. But yeah, that that film scared the living shit out of me. When that shit crawled out of that TV, I was just sitting there going, "You know what? My year twelve exams finished today. This is supposed to be a happy occasion. I don't want to go home with brown stains on the back of my pants." That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> We've stooped to a new low, which is which is saying something considering the the depths which we have plumbed previous to this. That's what she yeah. said. Oh, for fuck's sake! Enough! God, this is worse than Michael Scott right now. Fucking ridiculous! Come on, pull yourself together. Don't, don't, just just don't. I know you're thinking it, and don't. <laughs> 
I'm just uh, making I'm up for all the times that you say it to me. Yeah, true. Valid point. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm going to... Yeah. And Naomi Watts is a bit of a milf in that too. So, And uh, for those who watch Dexter, how much does... Um, uh, well, we call her Skankovich. I'm trying to remember her character today. But Dexter's love interest in season seven. How much does she look like Naomi Watts? Her name is Yvonne... Rakabakowski or something like that. So, yeah. Good to so, see you. Let's go with Skankovich. I was just going to say, good to see you did some research. All, all I can think of is Skankovich. I did actually look up her name the other day and all that keeps coming up is Skankovich. So go with that. But check out her and Naomi Watts. Dead Ringers doesn't even begin to cover it. It's uncanny. Uncanny. Alright. We're moving on. Number nine. Blood Diamond. Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, South African accent notwithstanding I loved this film I thought this was a really good film and in particular for me it was um, the, the story of the guy trying to find his son um, yeah this this was just a really really good sort of there's nothing there's, there's not that much about it I think it won one Oscar for oh, best yeah Best African screenplay, or something like that. It was some completely abstract. Least abstract. convincing well, South yeah, African yeah, accent. Yeah, maybe. exactly. It might have actually been the um, only nominated for one. But the, in the uh, the YouTube clip of the 100 cheesiest lines of all time, Leonardo DiCaprio said, uh, "Over in the US, it's <laughs> it's bling bling. Over here, it's bang bang." Yeah. <laughs> that got that was quite high up. But um, I really, really enjoyed that film, and I thought in particular. Um, yeah, the interplay between Leonardo DiCaprio and the the tall black guy whose name I really should have looked up before we did this. The black guy. Yeah, him, him. And him trying to find sorry, his son. Sorry, Adam Carolla, pinching yeah. your uh, black simile references. Yeah. Black simile is his way of saying two African-American actors who basically look exactly the same. But they don't all look the same. They let's don't let's all make look that the very same. clear. No. All right, we're not being racist here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a really good film, I thought. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour, favour Melbourne style. Get out of there and get in amongst it. Which brings me to number eight, which is Candyman. This film is, I think, I've, I, I'm going through my list, and this is my number one horror film. And as someone who loves ho- uh, horror films, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, not the fucking shit-stained remake, which was god-awful, but the original with Robert England, the only Freddy Krueger. That was really good. The Ring was at number 10, but this is my favourite horror film. And it's because it's so clever. The soundtrack is also bloody awesome. The soundtrack to Candyman is really good. With the, uh, the the violins and the strings and everything. Anytime there's like a, a sort of schlocky horror film, but it's done with a really really awesome uh, string quartet <laughs> sort of soundtrack, that's a good thing. But the whole concept of him having to prove his existence because they doubted him and and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it probably doesn't make much sense if you've seen the, if you haven't seen the film. But I thought that was yeah far and away one of my favourite. Yeah, my favourite horror film of all time. And Virginia Madsen performs really well in that before she sort of reduced herself to a number of bit parts in shit-ass other films. Anything to add to that? No? We're moving on. We're moving on. Now, number seven. 
death at a funeral. And let me jump in right here and make it absolutely explicitly clear that I'm not referring to the African-American remake with, with Danny Glover and Tracy Morgan and all these other no-talent ass clowns. This is the original British one. What is it about the British that makes them do comedies better than anyone else? Billy? Yeah, do you want to go in, William? Prince William? Yeah, see? He knows what we're talking about. But, yeah. You don't like remakes, do you? Hey? Particularly not of the African-American variety. Do you like remakes? No. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was on cue. Well played, sir. But, no, the original of this, and in particular, the guy who spends more or less the entire episode tripping on drugs... Everything's very green here. It's, it's green. Simon, what the hell's the matter with you? I don't know. <laughs> yes, I love I love that character. Uh, I've since seen him um, doing some other guest spots in uh, in things like Ugly Betty and other films like that. But this is far and away. And uh, he was in Firefly as well. But this is far and away my favourite role of his, yeah. And that film in general um, has several laugh-out-loud moments. It's also got the um, the uh, the little person from Game of Thrones in it, and he is really good in this film as well. But yeah, a very, very funny comedy. Well worth a look. To number six. Get off my lawn. <laughs> Clunk. This is... Clint Eastwood's, I think this is his masterpiece, I think. Particularly following on from um, Unforgiven, uh, The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, I think this one just rounds out his whole, his gunslinger-type persona very nicely. I mean, Stephen King, if you've read the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, he actually wrote the character of Roland with Clint Eastwood in mind. And I think this this is an apt finale. Him, uh, the way that the film finishes, is is sort of very different to the other films where there's been the ultimate conclusion, which involves you know him shooting up all the other the other antagonists. Well, sorry, not other antagonists. The antagonists in the film. Whereas this one, he he achieves victory through non-violent means. Let's put it that way. And you may need to name the movie, which of course is oh, Grand Gran Torino. Torino. Yes, did I not say it? I no, apologize. you didn't. You quoted yeah. it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think after that opening quote, anyone yeah. who's seen it would know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. But yes, but there Gran may be Torino, people who really, really enjoy. The point being, there may be fans of Dan Jackson out there who there are. To... Yes, booyah! <laughs> I there said there you said may be fans. You said may, yeah. <laughs> Might want to get a little bit more insight into Dan Jackson and need to know the names of these movies. And so we enter the top five. So we enter Endgame. William has just started licking my knee, so he clearly recognises the significance of this occasion as well. Alright. Number five. Drag me to hell. Now, people that's, go, uh, that's, that's every time we record this <laughs> That's GJ's reaction. <laughs> no, but, um, look, this, this is a film that it should be a, just a schlocky horror, god-awful, just, you know, f- see it once and forget about it film. But it's the fact that it's a horror film done with all the, you know, directorial uh, brilliance and... <laughs> 
I, I guess flair. Flair is the word I'm looking for. The directorial flair that you would expect of uh, of a film such as you know Grand Torino or Blood Diamond or one of these you know deeper, more significant films. Drag Me to Hell. There is a fight scene in the car in this film where you've got slow motions of staplers that have just been stapled onto a chick's eye, just slowly, you know, flying forwards and false teeth, you know, getting smashed against dashboards and popping out of the, the old hag's mouth. And just so much, I guess, epic, so many epic moments that you wouldn't expect of a film of this nature. But Sam Raimi, I, I worship you for this film. You have done such an outstanding job. And it helps that Alison Lohman is pretty easy on the eye. And there's a pretty good, like, um, upshirt picture when she's getting, you know, tossed around in the air by the goat demon that's trying to suck her soul to hell. See, it sounds ridiculous, but this is what actually happens in the film. Exactly! William knows what I'm talking about here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, see, it, uh, it is very, very enjoyable. So, yeah, check it out. William's scampering across the room as we speak. All right, he's got his, just gone to my video cabinet yeah. to see if it's there. Yeah. All right, so that brings me to number four on my list, which is not another teen movie. My favourite comedy of all time. Some may laugh, but no, this is it's a great piss take of all of those. I, I movies. believe it's pistake. Pistake. Of all of those movies, yeah. I think the funniest uh, not another teen movie story is Rod Wester who plays. Reggie Ray in the movie, oh, uh, uh, which Varsity is a, Blues. It's a yeah. piss take of his Billy Bob yeah. character, where he he was found out about it, and he's he said, like, "No one's going to play Reggie Ray but me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, Reggie Ray, you still got two more concussions left. Yeah. <laughs> Coach said it's all right to bleed from the ears. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a feel like that, but um, no, my memory of this film has always been during the opening scene. Where Janie Briggs, well, he's becoming more Janie Friggs, let's put it that way, <laughs> because she's pleasuring herself to, um, I, I think it's, it's like an imitation of um, She's All That, which is the main the main film which that film is pistaking. Um, and there's, oh, 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 there's Freddy, he's wearing a tux. Um, and yes, there, there is a, a rather large vibration device in in this scene and um, when I saw it at the cinemas with me and a, a, a bunch of other mates the, at the final moment of that scene where the the thing lands in a custard cream pie and is flailing around all over the place the guy behind me went the big <laughs> and uh, spurted coke all over the back of my, my best mate's neck but unfortunately my best mate happened to think that I was the one who had done this so while I was trying to wipe all this shit off the back of my net, he was actually turning around and punching me in the arm at the same time. Just going, ah, what the hell? Like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me trying to dry myself off. So, yes. The sort of hijinks you would expect of a team comedy like yes, this. Yes, and the, the reference to uh, Jodie Briggs having a gun at some point in this movie, you were telling... She's got a gun! You were telling me a story about maybe somebody having a knife relating to this oh, movie Oh, yes, well. that's right. Yeah, that was rather scary. One of my mates forgot to bring his ID with him, and this was an MA 15-plus film, and we were only, I think, 15 and three-quarters at the time. So... What basically happened was after he realised he wasn't going to get in and, and punched a pole outside in his angst, 
He then spent the rest of the movie hooking up with a chick sitting on the floor outside whose boyfriend was there and he happened to have a very large knife with him at the time. So it was a bit of an experience uh, extricating him from her while at the same time trying to avoid his, you know, death through multiple stab wounds. So that was, that was probably, that sort of brang the mood down. Brang? I just used the word brang? Yeah, oh, did. God. Brought the mood down at the end of the film. But, um, yeah. So, so that, after, after Good Charlotte. Oh, there, uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I didn't even know it was them. But um, I didn't recognise them from there. Because uh, you're such a fan of the Madden Brothers. Oh, yeah. Do you do like the way I, they I'm, go about it? Oh, God. It's a bit like uh, Michael Bolton in, uh, in Office Space. I celebrate their entire account. Ah, <laughs> uh, Johnny C. That is probably my favourite favourite scene of that film. Uh, the the, uh, the Johnny C. interview scenes. That was probably unlucky not to make this list. Yeah. Let's go with that. Off the space of yeah. talking for the win. You, yeah. you did mention that already, I think. But anyway, let's move on. Now we come to my top three. Now we've had the the bottom seven, and I'd say you know there's a pretty reasonable reasonable distinction between each of these films, but the top three are both very, very close together. The third was my number one film for a long time. The second was my number one as soon as I saw it, and the first just pips them both because of the personal relevance to me. But let's go with number three, which is American Beauty. No, no. You don't get to tell me what to do ever again. This film, more than any other film, every time I watch it, I take something new from it. And this pretty much affirmed Kevin Spacey as possibly my favourite actor of all time, I have to say. He is just... Words don't do him justice in this film. He is absolutely outstanding. Thanks, Yeah, it won a lot of awards and it deserved every single one of them. I think at the time, this was the only... There's a second film after Silence of the Lambs to have won Best Film, Best Director, Best Actor and Best Actress. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's right. And uh, I remember I saw this one at the cinemas with your good friend of mine, Michael. Oh, and, yeah. Um, the bloke who did our uh, bloke pod. Uh, the one and son. Yeah. And I remember it as the, as the, credits, the credits came up and the yep. lights came on, we both sat there for about five minutes after it had finished and we were just blown away. We didn't say a word to each other. We just sat there because we were trying to take in your submissions. That's when they're playing the Because the World is Round. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. just sat there. We didn't say a word to each other. And then as we finally got after sitting there and walked out, it was like they're going, oh my God, that is the best movie I've ever seen. I remember you saying to me at the time, I'm not sure what I've just seen. <laughs> yeah. But it was brilliant. Yeah. Because and that's true. It's really it's it's part comedy, it's part action, it, yeah. it's part you know, there's, it's part drama. There's there's so many different uh, elements to that film, but uh, Kevin Spacey's acting in particular, yeah, yeah. Lester Burn, that's yeah. his name, isn't it? Yep, yep, yep. yeah. And yeah, great. Oh, I, in fact, my favourite quote from this film is is still the one at the start. It's like, Les, you got a minute for you. I've got five. <laughs> I do love that quote. But there, there's, I mean, we could we could play, we could get a whole podcast worth of quotes from this film, yeah. and also the uh, the soundtrack to it as well. A lot of the musical reference where he's singing along, just smoking his joint, singing along to American Woman in the mm. car. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah. The uh, 
Yeah. And, I mean... Uh, it's the, uh, sadly, it, sadly, very anybody who's ever worked an office job, it's very relatable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The female star is named... Annette. Annette, Annette yeah. Remember the yeah, Annette yeah, Benning, yeah. of course, married to yeah. Warren Beatty. Yeah, um, she's also brilliant. She's very good in this film. Yeah, I mean, as, as I say, I think, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was oh. because it was Anthony Hopkins and uh, Jodie Foster and best yeah. film, best director. And I think that the, uh, sure the, the most impressed part, Sam Mendes' is first movie. Wow. She's what way to start. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to go from there but down, yeah. for Abe and Friends. It didn't yeah. quite take the end night. Philosophy and no, not peak, definitely peaked in his first movie. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I absolutely adore this film, and it, it was my number one for a very, very long time. Until that is, I saw film number two at the cinemas, and that is Inception. Now we, we talk about soundtracks. The soundtrack to this is just amazing. It's mind blowing. But this film, I mean, while I was sitting there watching it. I was like, this is far and away one of the best films I've ever seen. It's very much like The Matrix, only even smarter. But then the ending to the film, that was what just tipped it over to number two for me. Now, I'm not going to ruin it because I, no. I know my uh, co-host here, for one, hasn't seen it before. And your Legion's so, a fan might not appreciate it. <laughs> Shut up with this shit. Uh, it's not like you're doing any better. God. But... Um, yeah, this this is just a brilliant film. If you haven't seen it, I mean, this is Christopher Nolan at his absolute absolute best. Um, and Leo DiCaprio, Michael Caine, Ellen Page, you know, the the acting in th- this film is top draw. But it's just the storyline, the whole concept of the, the dream within a dream, and the whole the whole element of dreaming and the special effects that that allows them to to tie in. Yeah, I I can't speak highly enough of this film. And then finally, that brings me to number one. It's been a long... We've come a long way, baby. But, um... So I do the, uh, the David Letterman and go back through my top ten first. If you must. At number ten, we had The Ring. The shit stain. The Ring. At number nine, we had Blood Diamond. Number eight was Candyman. Number seven was Death at a Funeral. Number six, Clunk at his very best in Gran Torino. Number five was Drag Me to Hell. Number four, not another teen movie. Number three, American Beauty. Number two, number two, Q was Inception. And my number one film of all time is Temple Grandin. Now, I believe I've mentioned on a couple of previous podcasts, perhaps, that I I have Asperger's Syndrome. And this film spoke to me on such a personal level and Claire Danes' performance was just so absolutely spot on that this trumps all other comers for me. The story of the girl who used her autism in order to become successful basically channeled that autism into a career which actually you know, benefited from the, the attention to detail and the ability to spot patterns and all those other things. But I think it was also the, the personal relationships she has with her mother um, and with her teacher um, that, yeah, really spoke to me on a, on a deeply personal level. And for that reason alone, this film trumps all others and, and takes out the number one spot in my top ten. So there it is. Jackson's top ten. The Jackson ten. Yeah, exactly. The Jackson five. Like double the Jackson five, yeah. Yeah. But so those are the top ten films. Um, yeah, 
from my Legion of Fan. I'd welcome to hear back from you as to what your favourite films are. And I'd also welcome some new followers on Twitter other than Biddy Lab, which is apparently the, the creator of a, a, a woman's artificial breast, which mimics the mother's real breast in terms of size, shape and milk discharge. So I don't know what I said to you or it that, that spoke to you, but thank you for following me because you got me to double figures. But for anyone else out there who wants to sign up, it's Action Jackson at Dan the Action Man on Twitter. Get it to just and go with Dan the Action Man. Dan the Action Man. Let's so go with that. Can yep. Find you that way. And of course, you can also follow us here at the Blow Pod on Twitter, which yeah. is more simply the Blow Pod. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep it simple. Yeah. For, that's that's courtesy of the Action Jackson School of Branding. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> All right, so there it is, my top ten. And uh, until next time, this is Action Jackson saying, "Later, skaters."